Hello there and welcome to another episode of Ecomomics, the sustainable living podcast for all you busy moms and dads, parents and caregivers out there who want to make more planet-friendly choices in your everyday lives, but don't know how or where to begin. That's where I, Lisa, and I, Tanya, Dowling, not Harding, come into our own. And when we're not skating on thin ice with our linguistic puns, we're kept busy spinning the responsibilities of kids, jobs, households and partners. And podcasts while also trying to make the right consumer choices in order to safeguard the planet for our children and our children's children. Sometimes it feels like a losing battle in the fight against climate change, wondering if anything we do or the choices we make are actually making a difference. So little is being done or fast enough, and very little is being made easy for busy parents with more than enough on our plates, never mind taking on the climate crisis. But thankfully, there are people out there who have decided to turn their worries and frustrations about the climate into meaningful action, either in their community or in business. And these are the people, entrepreneurs and activists, we will be talking to in this series of Economics. So put us in your ears while you get on with your jobs and journeys as we introduce you to some amazing people who are putting the A into climate action. After all, when it comes to keeping households ticking along smoothly, it's the moms who run the world. As the saying goes, if you want something done, ask a busy person. And no one is busier than our next guest, who is mom to a toddler, works full time as a head of sustainability with an energy company, and is also running as a Wicklow Green Party candidate for local elections 2024. Via Fahi McCarthy, thank you for joining us on Economics. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Really looking forward to the chat. So we're kind of exhausted just introducing you and all you have on your plate at the minute. Um, but you're obviously pretty steeped in sustainability and environmental action. Um, and that's our kind of eco-mom. So tell us a bit about your background, your your route to working in sustainability. Uh, okay, it was a bit of a varied, I suppose, path to, to where I am now today as head of sustainability with an energy company. Um, I started back uh, working in RTE at one stage, and I suppose the interest in people as a researcher and kind of meeting with people and talking to people um, and then I moved to a different role. I trained at one stage as a psychotherapist. And again, I suppose the kind of the strand comes through of an interest in kind of connecting with people. Um, and I went on to work. I'm kind of jumping. There was a lot of things happening in between, but I went on to work with Borden and Mona, um, our semi-state company, as their corporate responsibility um, manager for a point in time. And I suppose that's where I really kind of got into the the nitty gritty of sustainability in terms of at the at the time they were transitioning out of using peat for for heat as it were um, and there was going to be a big shift in terms of kind of the workers that were working there and how their roles would change over time and um, so that was all happening at the time I was with Board Namona um, and then after a time I moved on to the role I'm in now um, and I'm very much focused again on kind of the just transition aspect of our work um, as well as looking at things, so I would kind of head up sustainability and in terms of how we would view it, it would be kind of across the spectrum. So from the environmental to the social side of things as well. So looking at things kind of being a living wage employer, ensuring people are paid a kind of a fair wage where they can kind of do more than just survive, kind of live live a, um, a decent life. Um, and looking at those aspects of, of, of kind of sustainability as well as kind of focusing on the environmental piece as well. So kind of it went from a kind of a completely different path initially but everything that I kind of did over the years I think has kind of 
set me up in good stead for the kind of the role I'm in at the moment, because ultimately it's about kind of, I suppose, communicating to people and kind of connecting with people in a certain way to try and get the messaging across around kind of sustainability and kind of our own environmental impacts and kind of the state of the planet as it is today and um, all of that, all of that kind of thing. And just for listeners, it's just important to explain what just transition is all about, because in fairness, we both were, you know, trained in sustainability a bit as well, and we would still kind of struggle with understanding that. So just for listeners to understand a bit more about what just transition means. Of course. Um, so I suppose the concept of just transition, if you break it down to kind of most granular, um, is kind of the just so something being fair and just and the transition so I suppose in the context of sustainability, you would be very much looking at it as people kind of transitioning maybe out of what would have been traditionally high carbon jobs to kind of low carbon jobs. So if we take it, if we kind of look at, say, for example, people might know, you know, in terms of kind of the old coal mines, if you look at particular parts of the north of England where there would have been coal mining would have been very strong and you would have had communities that were built around that. You can see that in parts of America now at the moment as well and across Europe in, say, Germany or Poland, where you would have had holes towns kind of built around a coal mine and then suddenly as we've all recognized that we need to shift away from these types of industries you know what did the people in those places do and if it just transition isn't managed well effectively a plant might close or a mine might close and people are suddenly out of jobs you could have you know kind of a couple of thousand people within a within a small area suddenly with no employment and nothing to move to or transition to Um, so it's kind of being able to recognize that there will be the shift now, you know, we've kind of maybe moved away from the coal mining, but there's other industries that are going to be starting to go into decline as we meet certain targets around net zero. And we recognize that our emissions are going up and we need to change things. So there'll be certain industries that will change over time. And again, it's being able to prepare those uh, workers within those industries, the communities within those industries, the community, the kind of the government policies around all of that to be able to say, how can we do this transition in the kind of the fairest and smoothest way possible so that everybody, nobody gets left behind, I suppose, really. Um, and that's what the focus would be on. Um, so, it's, yeah, looking at how you can kind of get people from, say, the oil and gas industry at the moment who are looking to maybe make a change um, and where is it they're going to go to and what skills do they have that can transfer over to a more low carbon kind of industry. So, Mia, with all that on your plate, what prompted you to decide to put yourself forward for election for the Green Party in Wicklow? Probably a little bit of madness, maybe. <laughs> and I think as well as the case of, you know, you often see people kind of grumbling and giving out about things. And you kind of just think like rather than grumbling or giving out, you know, be be proactive, do something. And I suppose for me, it was a case of like rather than giving out about stuff myself, what can I kind of do to potentially affect some sort of change? And that's what kind of got me interested, I suppose. I had become a member of the Green Party probably just pre-COVID. So when I joined then, it was kind of during COVID. So everything has kind of been online in terms of kind of, you know, local meetings, getting together with people. And I suppose there wasn't kind of maybe um, a space to be kind of get involved kind of in a practical level in those initial stages. But I liked what the party stood for in terms of, you know, the kind of the ethos around, I suppose, the environmental piece um, and recognising that things just need to change. And I just kind of felt... When, when it came up to people being nominated for potentially putting themselves forward for um, for the elections, I thought, well, why not give it a go? You know, why not be able to do something within my local area that could kind of enhance, enhance where we live and kind of support the community? I suppose a lot of it was maybe as well kind of born out of the fact that I have a two and a half year old daughter. 
So, you know, kind of recognizing that, like, what what is the space I want her to be in growing up? You know, what what would I like to see for her within our kind of our immediate area? And how would I like to see the community develop for her? Um, so she was probably a lot of the driver in terms of kind of probably actually putting myself forward um, this time around. But, yeah, I just think it's a case of kind of that, what would you call a citizen action or, you know, the kind of grassroots movement that in order for us to do things, we have to kind of get out and do them. You know, there's. There's things that happen kind of at government level um, and kind of policies that are set. But I think we we have a lot of, I suppose, it's taking a bit of ownership, but also kind of taking back a little bit of power to be able to say, like, there is things we can do that will really enhance where we live and and how can we kind of get them implemented. And I suppose be, being able to run and potentially getting voted in would be kind of a way to be able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, but that, and we can totally empathise with that because that's a lot of the motivation with the podcast and just kind of it, it is self-action um, and how are you finding the response on the ground in your community uh, towards the Green Party and to maybe talk about some of the initiatives that you're putting in place? I found the reaction very positive maybe surprisingly so I think you know before I was kind of going out to do my first canvas I was a little bit reticent I think kind of we read so much in the media and you see so much online kind of you know a lot of negativity against the party and I suppose there's a lot of negativity maybe in politics at the moment kind of across the board so I was a little bit nervous I have to say um kind of thinking oh god what am I you know what am I going to meet at the doors when I go out there how are people going to be um and overwhelmingly positive because I think everybody at a certain level knows that you know things aren't quite right you know we look during the summer and we see forest fires across Europe we see flooding in areas like look at the storms that we're having at the moment in October that are kind of battering uh, the various coasts of England and we've seen it down in Cork and we, you know we've seen examples of it so people recognize that there's a shift um, and that something needs to change so I think that the doors people people kind of recognize that but I suppose some of their fears around kind of what does this actually mean like what does the change mean what's it going to cost them what's you know what's going to be the impact to them and their pockets so there's there's questions and questions are good because wherever you can have kind of dialogue and communication with people, it can it can answer some of those unknowns for them. So I think they're all positive things. So when people would kind of question maybe some of the the policies or some of the things you're kind of speaking about, I think that's not to be seen as a negative. That's a good thing. And there was, you know, one or two that are kind of adamant that what the Greens ha have to to sell in a way isn't isn't for them and they're not interested and that's fine because we live in a democracy so people are you know free to to choose what they want to choose but I think overall I think with the local elections as well it's quite different because people are very concerned about very local issues to them so for example in the area where I am you know people are concerned about it will there be enough secondary schools for their children when they get to an age where they're going to secondary school you know, is there safe paths for their kids to be able to cycle on to get from A to B? Um, you know, green spaces, are we doing enough to kind of enhance them and manage them and protect them? So it's it's it is very localized in terms of what people want to kind of discuss with you. Um so I'd say overall it it has been positive and it's been it's been good to kind of get out and meet people. Um, and I suppose where I would be looking to kind of focus is around that kind of being able to have spaces for people whatever age to be able to kind of move from a to b without having to necessarily always hop in the car to get somewhere that there is that kind of safe space like for example the village i'm in i mean it, you have everything in it you have the schools you have the shops you have the services and ideally you'd love to be able to you know just as my daughter gets a bit older and other kids are out you know that they can just go from a to b on their bikes potentially and it'd be safe for them to do so because there's the right infrastructure in place and there are things that can be kind of 
you say easily enough done, but I, nothing nothing is ever easy. But there are things that can be done if I suppose the right people have the the will to do those things that can make our our spaces where we live kind of really just really pleasant to be in. And I think one of the other things I suppose is around the transport issue. You know, in terms of again, this would be kind of a commuter um town and a commuter county um for people kind of being able to get into Dublin to work but also kind of move around the county and I think the kind of local transport links are really important and kind of having reliability of service because you kind of can't ask people and I think that's sometimes always put to the Green Party is that we're kind of seen as an anti-car party maybe um but I'm originally from kind of rural Connemara where like you need a car to survive and somebody telling you you can't use a car you know isn't going to wash but I think if there is potentially where you can do provide services that are reliable and pleasant to use, you know, people ultimately would kind of go for those options, but it's when things maybe aren't so reliable um, that then people have to choose another option. So being able to kind of work on on those types of issues would be kind of what I would be uh, focusing on in, in the first instance. So just in thinking about those local issues that you've just been talking about, are you seeing any results from your work in the local community on those issues? It's probably in fairness a bit early to say in terms of kind of my impact Um, more broadly, I suppose, in terms of kind of the Green Party and what they've been working on. So we have a TD in the county, Stephen Matthews, and he would have been kind of focusing very much on the transport issues. Um, and as a party as a whole, I suppose we've kind of the transport links piece, you know, given that Eamon Ryan sits in the Department of um, Transport Environment and transport comes in under that. So there would have been a lot of transport links that would have um, been developed over the past while that wouldn't have been there previously. So, for example, you can get now from Wicklow Town up to Glendalough, um, you know, with with local transport routes. Um, so those types of things are coming on. I, I can't say that I had any part to play in those, um, although if I was a good politician, I probably would claim, claim them. <laughs> but But again, it would be like I would be looking to support more of that and to see more of that. And I know, again, particularly in the area I'm in, there's the 133 Dublin bus. And this is all very localised. And I know um, listeners will be kind of across the, the country or or in other countries as well. But a local bus service that isn't reliable for people. And I, in the past, used to use that when I commuted into RTE. And it'd be a case of some mornings it would arrive, some mornings it wouldn't. And at the time, I actually started driving because I thought I can't rely on the service. You know, I'm arriving into work late for meetings. And there's only so many times you can kind of give an excuse of, oh, the bus didn't come. So that was, you know, kind of you're talking about, I don't know, 15 odd years ago. Um, and that was the choice I made back then was to hop in a car and make the journey because it wasn't reliable. So, you know, when people say this on the doors, I fully understand that. And, you know, nobody's kind of saying to somebody, you have to do one thing or another. Like people need to make choices sometimes dependent on, you know, what's going on in their lives. But again, I think if you had that reliability and if I had had that reliability back in the day, it, it wouldn't have been a choice I would have made. So I suppose it's just, being able to provide services that people can really kind of rely on is is key. And do you think that, I mean, we, we know that there's a lot of climate anxiety out there and I think it is a very big global overwhelming issue. Um, and do you think that the key in that is to think global, but act local? And is that kind of something of your philosophy and uh, the, the kind of demographic you're appealing to? Yeah, exactly. I think if we kind of were to look at, you know, what is happening in the world and what what is happening to the fans, like people feel so overwhelmed and kind of think, well, that's so beyond anything I can impact, therefore I can do nothing. Um, and I think you need to take it back a step and you need to kind of just take it back to your own life and be able to say, 
well, what are the things that I can affect change with? You know, what are the things that I can do in a small way that will make an impact? Because again, if everybody, you know, globally took one step, you know, and, and made one change or took one choice, like that, that would have a, a massive impact on itself. So I think it's really starting, starting kind of in, within your own home or your own space, wherever that may be, and kind of being able to just do something there initially and then kind of move out. But I think that that being the starting point, and also recognizing, I suppose, that there is sometimes a difficulty in that for people, they feel that making that that good choice in terms of kind of the, the environment can cost money. And as we know, we're in a cost of living crisis. People are feeling the struggle. They're feeling that things are difficult and tight. So for a lot of people, it's kind of seen as a luxury to be able to kind of choose maybe, you know, to buy this particular product in the supermarket or to go to a lovely kind of local local store and kind of choose things, you know, that it's kind of that that isn't the way they live and it isn't the choices they can make. And I suppose people can't be made to feel guilty or bad over that as well. Do you know, sometimes there may be kind of a little bit of shaming in terms of kind of, you know, oh, look, people are do doing this and look at that person over there. But you have to understand that people, you know, have kind of, I suppose, immediate, um, immediate things that they need to kind of focus on as well. But I think that we can, not everything needs to cost money. And I think sometimes, you know, we can kind of, it's almost like going back to kind of, like what our parents did, but didn't, it wasn't wrapped up in a kind of sustainability, environmental, you know, kind of ribbon or anything else. It was just what they did because at the time, again, people didn't have money. So this is what you did to kind of, you know, make ends meet. And it's nearly kind of going back to that piece. Like I know when I was growing up, like we used to go to secondhand shops and it wasn't out of, you know, my mother being really cool and trendy. It was because it was an affordability issue. And at the time people kind of would have thought of, you know, secondhand shops as smelly and dirty and like, the concept of buying something there was just like, no, wouldn't do it. Whereas now you see how that's shifted and, you know, it's it's really cool. But also in being really cool, prices have gone up in a lot of shops too, you know. So it's kind of, we have to think about not going so far that almost it becomes a brand, you know, that doing things that are um, environmentally safe and friendly uh, for the planet and doing things that are sustainable don't become kind of out of the reach of, of everybody that they aren't seen as kind of the next nearly label in a way I suppose so it's just being able to ensure that kind of things are affordable um, and and then that people kind of are also maybe signposted to ways that they, they can make changes that don't have to cost so that that people in their thinking don't think oh if I was to to lead a life that maybe is more sustainable or more environmentally friendly, that would actually cost me money, that people can kind of recognize that you can do things that sometimes would actually save you money, you know, so th that's kind of the, the way you need to kind of, I suppose, view it in terms of that, because I do think there is a, a sense or a feeling out there of often those making the right choice is also the costly choice. I agree as well. And um, it's that part of, like we talk about, David Attenborough talks about, you know, the climate issue being a communications issue. And do you think that is a huge part of it? And it's the, it's the messaging that needs to get to people. And also just to talk a bit about what you're doing yourself. I really like the whole managing it till you make it, you know, your own kind of diary on your social media. Um, is that something that's part of your thinking of how you can kind of get the message to land more favorably with people who have, are busy and financially stretched and kind of probably slightly dismissive because they've other things to worry about? Yeah, I think communication is key, I think, because even within kind of the whole lexicon of environmental issues, like it's all a lot of sound bites, it's a lot of terminology, it's a lot of science. And we're, we kind of have this 
big scientific issue and we kind of almost expect everybody to kind of understand it and to kind of you know go with it you know so we have our net zeros we have our targets till 2050 we have our carbon we have our you know it's all all of this language that like what does that mean to anybody I, I work in the area and often you know a lot of the language kind of I don't understand it so I think it's really kind of breaking it down into really simple but not patronizing really simple language that people just kind of I suppose where they kind of get why people might be saying there's changes that need to be made you know so understanding that and being able to kind of communicate it in a way that isn't again kind of hectoring or kind of shaming or you know that it doesn't become a divisive conversation because you can see there's there's a lot of divisive narratives now coming out kind of in terms of kind of climate deniers versus you know people who people maybe who are on the the other extreme that would say to people you know don't ever fly don't hop in the car don't ever shop here don't you know and there's kind of really rigid about things and again the average person won't won't fall in either of those camps so it's somewhere in the middle how do you kind of get those people to kind of come along on the journey to use that uh, well-used cliche but being able to do that and I suppose part of what I did um, I suppose I'm using Instagram as kind of my main channel for for getting out to people in terms of kind of the the election campaign and one of the things I started with was this kind of managing to make a kind of diary series of a, a mother with a toddler who's running in the local elections and it's just kind of that acknowledgement that you know you're trying to do all of these things but there's a, all this other stuff happening behind behind the scenes and I suppose it resonates with a lot of people because all of us every day we kind of get up we put on you know a face we kind of get through the day we do what we need to do and at the end of it we come home and we sink into a chair and kind of a big <laughs> a, bi a big breath is taken you know and we're delighted that we got through the day <laughs> so it's kind of being able to say try and do things but just do as well what you can manage to do within within the time that you have or do the things you can do within the budget that you have or do the things you know it's it's being able to just look at your own kind of, I suppose, your own circumstances and within that then being able to say, well, what is that change I can make? You know, so today, for example, for me, um, you know, is it that I, the journey I take today down to the village, like leave the car parked at the house and actually walk down, get what I need to do? You know, is it is it something small like that? Is it kind of being able to look at when I do go into the supermarket and I'm picking up some stuff, like what am I picking up? What what? what is the packaging around it? Is there another choice that I can make kind of, you know, around that? So maybe sometimes just taking taking a little moment or two to kind of just say, well, today, you know, even setting yourself today, I'm going to do one thing that will make an impact. Um, and people kind of say, oh, sure, you know, these are all tiny things. And again, what's the point? Like some of the stuff is so overwhelming, what's the point? And some of the stuff is so tiny, what's the point? But I suppose the point is that you're doing something. And if everybody does something, you know, it also kind of, alleviate some of that anxiety uh, that people are feeling because again you're taking back a little bit of the control and you're saying well I well I am doing my small part whatever that might be in kind of being able to to make some sort of kind of positive impact. No you can't answer that because that was the last kind of question as to sort of what could you what what advice do you have for listeners then how they can get uh, get active really in your in their local area and um, that's what you kind of talked a lot about what they can individually do but what is there anything else they can do collectively maybe with yeah. their neighbors or I think even kind of being able to maybe see what existing groups are in your neighborhood like everybody knows tidy towns and tidy towns you know is a great kind of grouping to be involved with and they're kind of in every community 
you know, even the, those simple things of getting out and doing kind of the, the the tidy up of a of a village on a Saturday or whatever it happens to be, you know, being able to kind of get involved in that stuff. And true that then I suppose you're making connections with other people within the community. Or is there a particular kind of climate action group that's within your community? Again, is there people that you can kind of get together with and you decide that there's something that you all feel would be really valuable to do and the change you make? You know, whether it's kind of connecting with people within a toddler's group that you might go to, you know, you'll find that there's a lot of like-minded people. And again, being able to, I suppose, speak to them and kind of, you know, open up conversations and dialogue. And, you know, before you know it, kind of somebody might be saying, oh, I thought about doing X, Y or Z, or I'd love to be able to to do this and being able to share and swap skills and things as well. You know, people have different skills and and even the kind of more recently, you know, coming up to Halloween, the people kind of did the like the costume swaps, because, again, it's something where, you know, a child wears it for a couple of hours of a day and like what happens to it where does it go so you know being able to kind of think of ideas that you would like to do maybe throughout the year together as a as a grouping that would kind of again all 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 make a little dent in kind of being able to to make that positive change you know in terms of kind of the reduction of waste that would go to landfill the, you know the reduction in use of plastics the enhancing of your local kind of community spaces you know being able to maybe go out and decide that you're going to kind of plant some wild wildflowers and see them kind of come up next year and maybe there's somebody within your group or your network that that's really interested in kind of horticulture and biodiversity and has really really great skills around that is that something you could do kind of in your local estate to be able to set aside a little area um all of these types of things i suppose and and things that can also then establish kind of friendships with with other people that are near you and also can be like they have to be a bit of fun and a bit of crack because sometimes the conversations are very heavy and it's very kind of you know you must do this and you must change that and ultimately again you know life is kind of busy and you know tiring sometimes so it's being able to kind of find spaces where you can have some kind of you know there's a bit of energy and a bit of life and a bit of fun and kind of I think when you can have that with something it makes makes making changes easier as well because it isn't kind of being almost like mandated or kind of dictated to you it's it's then suddenly a choice you're making and it's a lifestyle choice you know in terms of kind of wanting to make these changes because the other way of living is is more advantageous and is is better and more fun and is more involved and more community spirited, you know, rather than it being something you don't kind of want to do, but you're being dragged, dragged to make the change. What advice do you have for our listeners on how they can get active in their communities from a climate positive or sustainability point of view? Yeah, not really. I suppose it probably more for me, it was I started to become more active again through my daughter kind of and getting, you know, kind of involved in various different toddler groups and kind of, um, yeah, just kind of meeting with other moms within the area. And that kind of, I suppose, started kind of more of the connections more widely. But within the local councils, they're over the last while, I suppose they're, they're starting to build up kind of environmental teams, uh, environmental awareness people, biodiversity officers. So they're they're starting to kind of each council would have kind of a dedicated service. And for those, a lot of them will be kind of involved in outreach with, with communities. So I would say kind of maybe look up your local council website and see who are the people that kind of come under those, whether it's biodiversity officer, whereas whether it's the environmental awareness officer and kind of maybe request to meet with them or kind of see what information they have that they could send out. And often at a lot of different kind of community events that would be happening, for example, say with the sustainable energy community events that would be happening around the place, you will also have somebody maybe from the council coming along who'll be able to kind of speak to people too. So just keep an eye out kind of 
whether it be maybe on a kind of a local Facebook forum about various events that are happening, whether it's kind of in your local papers, because, you know, they often still will kind of have um, all of the, the different things that are going on. So being able to kind of, you know, keep an eye out on what's happening in your area and, and then being able to see kind of who would be best to connect with. But definitely with the councils, you know, over the years, they've definitely shifted and there, there is that focus. Um, even a lot of them at the moment have consultations out for their local climate action plan. So maybe keep an eye out for kind of what is yours coming up for consultation? Maybe the date has already passed, but if it hasn't, is there something you would like to be able to kind of include in that consultation that you think would be really important to see in your local area? Um, because I suppose, again, it's that case of, you know, you might kind of suggest these things amongst yourselves or, you know, kind of, but is it going to the right people? Are the right people hearing it? Will, will it potentially be taken on board and, and potentially be kind of included in an overall action plan for your county? So I suppose it's being able to make sure that kind of any of those views you have are, are said in the right forum. So I would say with that, because they're ongoing at the moment, like I know the one, for example, for Wicklow, the closing date is the 15th of November. Um, so it may be kind of similar around the country. So I would say to, to any of your listeners, just to kind of, to kind of maybe go on to your local county council website and have a look and see is it is it up at the moment and can you kind of submit into it so i think there's more like-minded people around you than you think till mm. reaching out to them okay well mia thank you so much for joining us best of luck with your election and uh look forward to seeing you flying the flag for the green party <laughs> next june yeah yeah thanks really. so much mia. great to talk to you thanks both it's been really uh, it's been a great pleasure thank you very much for having me Join us next time when we'll be meeting more people doing their bit to help save the planet. Don't forget to keep following us on social at economics underscore IE on Instagram and Twitter and economics.ie on Facebook. We're off to enjoy a long overdue lunch date to celebrate our one year anniversary of podcasting together. Yes, Shay Max, here we come. There's a glass of Sauvignon Blanc going warm over there for me. But until next time, au revoir. Oh la la, Lisa. Come on, let's go. Bye. Bye.